They marveled at your signs, your wonders. They thought you had died, but you saved the world. A sign, power, divine authority. Expect a miracle. Believe for a miracle. Receive for a miracle. And be responsible to manage your miracle. Where miracles are, there certainly God is. Good morning. I really need you to be enthusiastic today. Can you do that? Some of you go, yeah. I really need you to be enthusiastic today. Oh, don't you feel better when you do that? You know, we're getting ready to watch a video of kids telling Christmas story. And whenever kids tell Christmas story, it's always better. Have you ever noticed that? Like an adult does, and they give you the adult version, which is kind of like right in step with everything. But when a kid does it, he just kind of brings it up a level. And the reason I really love watching kids on video, especially telling Christmas story, is because the Bible says that we have to come like little children into the kingdom of God. There's like a simplicity and an innocence and a joy, uh, even if they don't get all the facts right, that we all appreciate. Amen? All right, so let's watch this video and see River and Isaac telling you about Christmas. Welcome to Christmas <laughs> My name is River. Hi, my name is Isaac. What do you want for Christmas? A, a video game gun with, with a mobile tool. A, a game gun. Actually, a game and a gun. I want a game a gun and a gun. I want bubblegum, yummy. Where are you going to, are you going to get your Marvel Christmas? New boots and a new dress? River, what are you going to get your mom for um, New clothes and new uh, dress and new boots. Yep. Yeah. Do you guys know Jesus' Christmas story? Just all was was Jesus' Christmas birthday and, and Santa beat him a, a present. And he opened it and it was a and a was a gum bam 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 bam. Put your phones on silent. But what do you guys But but don't forget to take photos and videos and post them on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Oh, that's my, that's my favorite. Me too. Or what is Christmas about? Sherry. No, God's birthday. Sherry. God's birthday. Sherry. Yeah, Sherry. And God's birthday. Yeah. Yeah, there's a girl named Mary. Yeah, a girl named Mary. Oh, your girl named Mary. Yeah, she was a virgin. What's a virgin? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Wrong boy. Remember, what are you going to get your dad for Christmas? A gun. Uh, what are you going to get your dad for Christmas? Um, 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 a new car that drives so fast, and new clothes, and a new boots. 
Now, how does the line get any better? What's a virgin? I don't know. And they just keep moving. Nobody stops to drill down in that one, to think about it, to kind of explore it a little bit. So I've decided the title of my message today is What's a Virgin? All right. We're going to talk a little bit about the virgin birth, but we're going to talk about how it relates, how that is significant, how it relates to our life. You know, the reason the virgin birth is so critically important is because in the economy of God, in the way that God uh, approaches man, he approaches it with the idea that because there is sin in our life, meaning that we've done at least one thing wrong in our life. Can everyone admit to that one? All right, at least one thing. Some of you say, I've only done two, but I got one for sure. So the idea is that because I am born in sin, okay, meaning that I come from parents who are both sinners, all right, you with me, that what happens is not only do I pass along certain tendencies to sin, but I also transfer some of that sinful nature to my children. But then they learn by choice how to make more sins in their life. And the reason is, is because we are at best flawed when it comes to the kingdom of God. It wasn't God's plan. wasn't how God originally designed it. But because we have that natural tendency, it's really interesting. We were sitting at dinner uh, with our daughter, son-in-law, and granddaughter, Gracie Bell. And she's uh, a little over a year old now. And uh, she is just, like, so cute and loves me the most. And Anyway, we were sitting there, and she was playing peekaboo back and forth just between, you know, the objects that were on the table there, and she was kind of watching, and then I would hand her some, or she would hand me something, and before I would grab it, she'd pull it back. She was taunting me. How does she learn how to taunt someone at one years old? It just kind of came naturally, and it wasn't that it was bad. It was cute. I loved it, but then when I got it, I would grab it. And then she would get upset and want it back, right? What causes that in us in our life? It is that we're not perfect. And so the idea is that when Jesus came, he was born of a virgin without sin. Instead of transferring on to you and I a sinful nature, when we put our faith in him, what we do is we embrace his righteous nature, and he gives to us his righteousness, And so the virgin birth is critically, critically important. It's really interesting. Between service, I was having a conversation with a young man who freely admitted he would like to believe but doesn't believe and is currently, you know, uh, seeking a law degree. And so we had a great conversation, and I approached it not from a standpoint of what the Bible is all about, but rather from what are the historical things that point to the reality of what we believe is being true. And there's so much proof that's out there. And, and as we begin to take this great, big, this great big picture of the kingdom and what it's all about, I want you to know that God really does like it when you think. That when you apply good, good knowledge to your faith. So it's not just this leap in the faith like Kierkegaard said. No, it's more than that. It's this idea that what we believe has substance. There's something we can put our faith in, our trust in. There's something we can rely on that goes way beyond it. And I, and I just want to tell you one of the things I told him. I said, you know, there's a, an arch, uh, a, uh, archaeologist named Pritchard from Cambridge, 
and he was not a believer. And he became a believer in the validity of the Bible simply by flying historical sites across the Middle East. And on one occasion, before he even confessed Christ, he said the Bible is the most accurate document of antiquity. Now think about that. He's one of the most famous uh, archaeologists of all time. How did he come to that conclusion? Why did he come to that conclusion? Because what we believe has substance. It's not without substance. Now, when we think about our future, I want you to think about your future is tied to your past, but I want you to know your future needs to be brighter than your past. You see, so many of us live in this world that everything that great that ever happened in our life was yesterday. And because that, that becomes a part of our, uh, kind of our, our tape that we play in our head, we don't really see the value of the present or of the future. But God wants us to look out with a bright outlook and say, behold, I do a new thing. I want to do something in your life that you've never seen before. In fact, you're going to sing new songs. You're going to have new experiences because I am the God of new. Whenever God wanted to, to communicate the idea and the power of God, he said, I don't want you to take new wine and put it in an old wineskin. I want you to understand that old wineskins lack the flexibility and they burst under the pressure of new wine. So I want you to have something new that's growing and expanding like wine, like the kingdom of God, like your future. So when Isaiah the prophet wrote of this very familiar verse that you're going to recognize immediately, I'm sure, most of you anyway, he was writing in a period of time 700 years before the birth of Christ. He was giving one of the great predictive statements of history. And as he did, he was, he was communicating in a time when things were not going well in society. And sometimes we can relate to that because we look at our life and go, wow, things are not good in our society right now. Well, he was living at a time when it was at least as bad and probably worse. And there was world chaos and the Assyrians and the Persians and the Babylonians, they were all putting this pressure on this small little nation of Israel, and they didn't know what they were going to do. And here's what he wrote in the Scripture. Ask a sign for yourself. He said, if you think you're really having problems right now, I want to ask you, will you ask a sign for yourself? So I want to pause right now before we read the rest of Scripture. I want you to do this. I want you to ask a sign from God about your future. Now, we've been taught sometimes along the way that asking for a sign is uh, showing lack of faith, and most of the time it's basing it on Scriptures that don't really relate to our situation. But you see, God is honored when we expect him to come through and demonstrate himself to us. So when we say, God, I'm trying to find out my future, I need someone to communicate to me, it might be a word of prophecy someone brings, it might be the scriptures, it might be just an arrangement of situations that say, this seems to point to God and God speaking to me about this matter. Ask God a sign. And then he says to him, he says, when you ask God, uh, the Lord your God, the one that will convince you that God has spoken will keep his word, make your request as deep as Sheol, that means the grave, or as high as the heaven. In other words, God is not expecting you to make a small request. He wants a big request. You see, he's saying, you know, when you ask of God something, ask him something big. Ask him something so big that you know it was God that came through and not you. So that you convince yourself that God is working in your life. 
He goes on to write in the 14th verse of that same chapter these words, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Ask a sign, okay, the Lord's going to give you a sign. The sign, listen carefully, the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. When you're going through tough times, remember God is with you. When you don't know which way to turn, God is with you. When you don't, when things look bleak and things look dismal for you, remember God is with you. If God were with you in that situation, wouldn't it feel better? We lose our sense of the presence of God when we go through daily life. I've noticed that when I don't read the media feeds on my phone, you know, I've got apps that just give me all the bad news in one place. You have those? It's so convenient. I can be depressed all over the world at one time. Right, here's Paris coming in. Here's, you know, here, here, all this stuff's happening to me. And I realize I sit there and I watch that, and what it does is it takes me from where I am down and down and down and down, and I go, oh, my gosh, what is the world coming to? How many times have you said that in your lifetime, right, or heard someone? What is the world coming to? And I realize what I'm doing is I'm feeding the wrong thing in my life. When I don't read it, I think the world's pretty good. Now, I'm not suggesting that you ignore what's happening in the world, but I'm saying that you balance it with God is the sovereign king and Lord of the universe. Regardless what you read on a media feed, it's not reflective on God's pressure to perform. That God has already got all things in control, even if you feel like he doesn't. Even if you can't see all the evidence at that particular time. But understand this truth, that God reveals your future one step at a time. So I want you to think about God and his revelation as progressive. I'm just going to use a simple chart like this one. And here you are here. What God does is he shows you something now. And as you go through life, as you go through time, he's going to show you more and more about your life, more and more about the Word of God. He's going to show you more and more about your future and what you need to do in your future. Sometimes we get, we get this misnomer that God is going to reveal everything to me in a moment, and I just, a, a great plan, a strategic plan, and then I just get up and say, oh, today is 1B in the plan of God. I would love that. How about you? I mean, I would just really, but you know what? That's not faith, is it? That's not taking into account that the struggles you go through in not knowing something is actually what builds your character. So God reveals will to you progressively. He says, get up this morning, give glory unto God, thank him for what he's doing, ask him for direction in your life, and then walk in that truth that God has given you that day. Get up the next day, and guess what? Do the same thing all over again. Because if you try to live your life too far in the future, you're frustrated with the present. God wants you to do that. You remember Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. He didn't say weekly. He didn't say monthly. He didn't say take it up once and then you're good. He said take it up daily. Why? Because every day you're going to find something you've got to die to. You've got to say no to. You've got to resist. And you've got to seek the higher ground in life every single day of your life. Design your life around your future and not around your past. So many people, they, their whole life is all about what used to happen in their life. And they can't ever see the, the present because the, everything is about, you know, the, the, the past and not the future. Take your life right now and say, I want to design my life around the future that God has for me. And begin to just let your mind and your spirit 
just kind of go with that a little bit and think about what could God do. You know, there's a proverb that says, many are the plans of men. Ever sit down and drawn up a plan? This is the plan of my life. This is my goal. You know, this is my, uh, these are the things I'm going to do this year. These are my New Year's resolutions, whatever it might be. You get it all out there, and then it says, but God directs the steps. A lot of people think that that is saying that you make all the plans you want. God doesn't care about them because he's going to do what he wants to do. That's not what it's saying. He says, many are the plans of men. I like that about you, God's saying. I like it when you make plans. But just allow me the privilege as God to take one of those paths and lead you in it versus you say, I'm going to go my own path. I want, to let, I want God's direction to be true in my life every day of my life and let God lead me in those paths. You see, when you replay the past, what you do is you poison your future. If the past is so wonderful, how could it ever compare to what I'm living now? If the past is so wonderful, how could there be any brighter future than I have today? You know, there's a phrase that some people used to use, and it was called the good old days, right? The only reason they're good is because you fought, forgot about all the bad stuff right? I mean, there's plenty of junk in those good old days. You know, like people said, the good old days before electricity. That's not good. Right? It's not good. You got to go light a fire. We, we had a fire. We got, Tammy got one of these little fire pits that was on sale somewhere. And so we got this bright idea. We're going to put a couple of those, uh, what do you call those logs? Duraflames. I don't know what they put in those things, but it's like wax and smoke. That's all it is right? And it's just like filling the house. I'm going, you know, I don't want to live in that day, right? They didn't even have Duraflames 100 years ago, I don't think, did they? I'm just testing you to see if you're awake, right? Okay, so I don't want that day. Well, guess what? The way your past is compared to what God's doing in your future is a Duraflame. It's smoke and wax, God wants to put fresh wood on the fire of his presence. God wants you to burn red hot every day and not rely on coals. God wants something new. Every time you read about God working, he's talking about new things he's doing. You're going to sing a new song. You're going to live in a new Jerusalem. Everything is about tomorrow and the future. It says, behold, I do a new thing. God wants that for you. And, and push your way out of the past into the present and into the future. You see, and realize that God is bigger than your problems. To hear someone talk sometimes, you'll, you'll think their problems are bigger than God. God can't even do that. That's just too big a problem. Hey, as a pastor, we face all the time problems that seem bigger than life. We do. They're bigger than life. People facing crisis in their life or health concerns in their life, it's bigger than life. And as a pastor, you know, you don't just see one of them. You see, you see dozens of them over the history of your life. And you look back in your life and you go, wow, you know, I'm glad I didn't know those were coming and I'm glad those didn't all come in one year. I don't even know how we could have handled it. But, you know, when you read the Scripture, if God is bigger than your problems, look at what it says in Isaiah 9, 6. Who do we turn to? It says, for unto us a child is born. That doesn't seem like a great answer to your crisis if you're living in Isaiah's day. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. 
You see, every problem you face can be answered by one of those titles given to God. You lack peace, he's the prince of peace. You don't, you don't know what, uh, have a father, you don't know anyone that can care for you, he's the everlasting father. He is a mighty God. And you just kind of go through that list. He's a counselor. I don't know where to turn to, you turn to him. I don't, he's wonderful in all ways, I turn to him. And God brings me back to that. You know, we talk a lot about miracles, and Tammy's been interviewing people who have had these great miracles, healing stories. We've shown you slides given to us by doctors that confirm it. We've, you've heard over the years those stories. And every once in a while, we have those stories where we have to say, you know, we don't know what happened, but the miracle didn't come through. We prayed, and we didn't see the answer. I want you to know if your miracle hasn't come through or you're frustrated when you hear someone else's story, I want you to know that that's okay that that's not uncommon, and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or your faith. Part of the mystery of, of miracles and healing is, in fact, a mystery. All I know to do is what God calls us to do, and that is to pray and believe, to pray and to believe, to pray and believe, and don't let doubt get into your life. Some of your miracles are not yet. You see, we live in the not yet, don't we? The not yet of what's tomorrow's miracle going to look like. Do we have enough faith? Is enough things being done right? How, and all those things spin in our head. I want, what I want to do is I want to show you a video of a not yet miracle. It's a story of a good friend, member of this fellowship named Guy. And a little over a year ago, Guy uh, had a crisis and went into a coma. And he's still in a state of not a coma but, but not waking up. His family, his wife and two boys, his mother-in-law, they're part of this fellowship. And we pray and we pray and we pray and we want to see God do a miracle. And we believe that God's doing a miracle right now. And we're waiting for it. And when you see Guy wake up from this, after you see this video, you're going to go, that's a miracle. So I want you to watch this video. A very kind, loving, strong person. He's funny. He's a very nice person. He's very gentle. He he loves us. He loves my mom. He loves everyone. He has a lot of friends that love him a lot. Ever since I've met him, um, one of the things that really stood out to me was his smile. That's what attracted me to him in the first place. Um, but mainly just his really kind heart. He's very generous. It's it's his jokes both. and it's both. Does he pranks us on Halloween? He one time when I was young, he hit under my bed. Yeah, he did not. He and he had a green mask with black hair with claws. It came out from under and he scared the heck out of me. Now I would think I was only like six, and he he just scared me. He he was always a very funny guy. So on October 16th, 2017, um, Guy and I had gotten up and we were getting the kids ready for school. And this was the day that Tyler was gonna go to outdoor education. I went on a field trip and my he was completely fine. And I when had left and uh, he, uh, mom sent a note, but it, but it didn't say anything about dad and came back home and uh, Trevor went to school as normal and I went to work and our plans that night, um, we had just finished our, um, 
our dining room and so our plans were to make spaghetti and have a family dinner at the table and guy was in good spirits and he was talking with his um, mom because she had dropped off trevor and and was hanging out um, just in our kitchen and talking and out of nowhere um, he just fell forward i was upstairs doing my homework well that happened to dad i didn't get to see anything happen and I heard a bunch of voices downstairs, so I thought it was just dad's friends coming over because he has his friends come over sometimes. I didn't, and then I, oh, I, can't, I come down and I see my grandpa panicking. Lois um, did her best to try to turn him over and it, of course I called 911 and um, so the paramedics were here and they were in the process of reviving him and um, Lois was um, calling me at work and so um, I just said, tell me where to go. Tell me where to go. I think my heart skipped a beat because I got, I'm like, seriously? In the ICU at that hospital, at least 20 people from Influence Church and our friends came and we were praying in that room, over his room. So Guy was um, actually was in a coma for about nine months. And there was, you know, in the beginning it's hard because you just think, Tomorrow, hope he's gonna be fine. I was more surprised, and I thought that um, he would be better in like a week or something like that. But a year and a month later, still not back. But he's been getting better every day, so that's good. I mean, it takes time for everything. So, I mean, I mean, just patience is the best. Patience. We decided to go ahead and induce hypothermia to protect his body and protect um, his brain so that he could recover. When you're coming out of something like that, you'll have seizures, you'll, and there was um, probably a month where everyone was praying for seizures to be gone in the name of Jesus, and they did. They left, and we were able to take down a lot of his medications and, and just kind of get him to sustain and, and I just, every time there's a setback, there's an even greater comeback. So today where we're at is he is infection free, he is fever free, he is, his vitals are completely stable. Um, he, he is just in the weight right now. He's just in the weight and we are so expecting, expecting, expecting this miracle. And I know he is too, because I see it in him. Like I, I see him, I feel him, it is him. God's just doing his work. He's just doing his work. And he's just like, you may think waiting could be wasting time, but I'm working. Just, just endure, just endure. Have, let faith arise. Let, let me allow this interruption in your life right now because I am going to take you so much deeper. And out of this, your family will be so strong. This church influence has been such a blessing. Um, Guy and I and the kids have been with influence since day one. Um, we've never ever um, just never ever doubted that this is where our home is 
and right away, right away, everyone came around us, came around us and kept coming around us. And it's, it's not even just like we're there for you, it's like we're doing life with you. Like it is 100% we're doing life with you. There are people showing up at the hospital just to sit with me, people bringing us food, people um, of course constantly praying and being with our kids and being with our family and just this church body coming around us at this time, like I know it was appointed. We could have been anywhere. We were here. So it means a lot. It means a lot. Couldn't do it without this family. Yeah. You know, Carrie was in the first service with her boys, and I, I just looked at her. I said, you are the miracle right now because your love, your hope, your faith, your encouragement is supernatural. You know, and I, videos like this, I would rather show you the video of him rising up. But I also want to remind you, too, that, that we're in family. You just go through crisis together, don't we? We struggle. This is like real life. It's a microcosm of what life is about, and we, ha we bear a responsibility to one another to, to pray and to believe and to trust and ask yourself, you know, we like to ask this question, what, how would you want someone to pray for you if you were in a coma? You know, you'd want, you'd want everything poured out. You'd want, you know, we were by there yesterday and just praying for him again, and, you know, and I, I have watched progress. And when I see progress, I call that healing. Amen? And, uh, and we're just expecting God, and I want you to put him on the not yet miracle list that you pray for. All right? We've got the miracles. we got this one over here. we got the not yet miracles. And we're going to see God do some great things, not only in his life, but in your life and everyone's life. And, you know, the Bible says our life is but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We don't know how long we have on life, uh, on planet Earth, but we want to take every moment of every day and love one another, give glory to God, pray for one another, be encouragers to one another, because we don't know what tomorrow holds, right? Amen? How many of you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for God as God gives me direction? Amen? Amen. Okay. So let's go on. So God is bigger than your problems. God is just bigger than your problems. And when we begin to think about it, your problems are matched to your potential. Do you ever think about the problems you face or somehow God equipped you for them? You have a capacity that somebody else doesn't have. And as you begin to solve those problems, you see, your problems, they're solved in eternity. That is, God is the one who's solving the problem, but what God is doing is he's revealing those, those solutions in time that you live. And all of a sudden, you're going through life and go, wow, this is amazing what God is doing today in my life. And the thing about problems is that problems, what they do is they, they, they solve, they reveal the rewards that God has for you in the days ahead. So all of a sudden, you start to solve a problem. God starts to reveal and says, let me reveal to you what you're going to receive in eternity. Do you ever think about God and what God is going to do in eternity for you? You know, as you think about your, your future, God's, uh, God's future for you is a prophetic promise. That is, when you read Scripture, God says, I have this for you in the future. Did you know that? Do you know I have this for you in the future? I have this for you. Well, what is it, God, I want to know? Just be faithful every day, and I'm going to reveal it to you. Be faithful every day. 
Because, you know, there's something about persistence in our life. Whenever we have enemies that come up against us, you ever realize that persistence demoralizes your enemies? How do you keep doing that? How do you keep going? The enemy, Satan, the ultimate enemy, he comes against you, and you just go, no, I love the Lord my God. I love the Lord my God. Think about Job. No, I'm not going to curse God and die. When he has refined me, I will come forth like gold. So think about your prophetic future that God has for you. And look at this scripture that God says in Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government. Do you realize God says my government is always increasing and peace there is no end. So I want you to think about this diagram here. Think about peace and think about the rule of God. God says my peace is always increasing my rule is always increasing. You know, Revelation says it talks about worlds to come. That is that God is not done with his universe. It's interesting that that was written a couple thousand years ago and scientists just now discovered in the last 20 years that, earth, that new worlds are constantly being formed. How did John know about that? He knew about it because God gave him insight. But the thing I, I thought was so interesting is of his peace there is no end. Do you realize that heaven is not a destination point, a dead-end street, where all things are made perfect and, and nothing, there's no growth beyond that? Do you realize that peace continues to grow throughout all eternity? See, God wants your peace here on life to grow and grow and grow, that you have more and more peace. But do you realize you're going to get to heaven and go, wow, you know, now I'm free from sin, now I've got this divine perspective. But God says, but I am going to progressively increase your peace and your responsibility in the kingdom. I don't know about you, but that makes heaven really exciting. It's just not a get there, okay, that's it, got that, book's over, you know, we do whatever we do. No, he says, I'm going to give you more peace. I'm going to give you more understanding. You're going to grow even as a person in eternity. Your responsibility is going to expand even in eternity. It says, upon the throne of David and over the, his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forever, for the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Do you realize that God is zealous for you? Zealous. So what happens? Your future expands according to God's divine plan. When you show up and say, God, show me your plan, God gives you a little bit. You show up the next day, God gives you a little bit more. The next day, a little bit more. Next day, a little bit more. And before long, you look back and go, wow, look how far God has taken me. Look what God has done in my life that I never would have seen beforehand. And his peace increases throughout all eternity. So it's always this, this just growing, growing peace. His peace increases throughout all of eternity. And God is zealous. God is so zealous for you. So zealous for you. I want you to think about God and his love for you in the way that God reveals himself to you in Scripture. We know the name Jesus. We know the name God. You may have heard the name like Jehovah or Elohim or some of those other names, but there are titles and there are names. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take you on a journey through some of the names and the titles of God and Jesus in Scripture. And as I do, I want you to begin to resonate with one or two of those and say, that's for me today, Pastor. That's for me today. And realize that that's the God who's revealing. He's revealing something to you right now. Because you see, in Scripture, he's called the advocate with the Father. He's your advocate. He's the one who stands up for you. He's called the Almighty. He's called the Amen. 
He's called the day spring of life, and he's called the door. He's called the faithful witness in Revelation 1. He's called God in Isaiah 40. He's called the great high priest in Hebrews chapter 4. He's called the governor in Matthew chapter 2. He's called the head of the church, the heir of all things, the Holy One of God. He's called the Holy One of Israel. He's called the horn of our salvation. He's called Jehovah. He's called Lord of all. He's called the Lord of glory. He's called the Lord God Almighty. He's called the mediator. He's called the messenger of the covenant. He's called the prince of life, the prince of of peace. He's called the prophet, and he's called the rock of our salvation. He's called the root of Jesse, the ruler of Israel, the savior of all mankind, Shiloh, the son of the highest, the son of righteousness. Do you hear his name spoken over you? He's called the true God. He's called the vine. He's called the word of God. He's called the word of life. He's called the bread of life. When you're hungry, you go to him. He's called the bright and the morning star. He's called the captain of your salvation, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, Emmanuel, the everlasting one, Jesus Christ, judge, true witness. He's called your high priest. He's called the Alpha and the Omega, the bread of life, the Messiah. Do you hear him calling your name right now? He's called the true vine. He's called the beloved. He's called the author and the finisher of our faith. He's called the chief cornerstone. He's called the Almighty. Give him glory. He's called the bridegroom. He's called the only begotten of the Father. Can you hear him? Can you hear him? He's called the branch. He's called the invisible God. He's called the Son of Man, the Son of God, the King of the Jews. He's called the Redeemer of all mankind. He's called the way. He's called the truth. He's called the life. He's calling you. He's called the Lamb of God. He's called the light of the world, the lily of the valley. He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Why, he is the master of the mighty. He is the Lord of those who do not know him. And there's one day they will bow his knee and they'll call him Jesus, Lord of all. Why, he's called the great physician. Do you have an ailment? He is your physician. He is called the Son of David, the Prince of Peace. He's called the resurrection and the life. He is your resurrection. He is your life. He's called the Good Shepherd. Why, he's the Rose of Sharon. Give him glory. He is the Son of Righteousness. He is called the True Vine. He's called the Living Water. He's called the Anchor of Our Soul. Why, he is called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Would you give him glory right now? Give him praise. Let's sing.
Amen. Amen. Give God the glory. You know, it's always about Jesus. Amen. It's everything we do is about Jesus. And uh, just want you to know it's a simple truth, but Jesus loves you. You may not feel lovable. You may not know his love, but he loves you. Resist it all you want. He's still going to love you. Isn't that good news? He just loves you. Hey, we, we love you too. We just want to bless you on this day, that uh, this weekend that we celebrate the birth of our Lord. Tomorrow we'll be back at 10 a.m. Uh, God gave me a message on Jerusalem. It's a prophetic message about what God's doing uh, and has done in the city of Jerusalem. So it's going to be totally, radically different from today. It's going to be a radically different Christmas Eve service anybody's ever had, um, I hope. Different is good, unless it's bad. But anyway, uh, right after this service, uh, immediately following, we're going to have a meeting for Peru. It's going to be a short meeting. If you're curious, have a question, uh, we, we'll have this. This is about a 15-minute meeting, um, but we'll be here, and we want to answer your question. We want you to go to Peru. If you don't know what that is, we're doing a mission trip. We're doing a crusade. I'll be preaching in a stadium of 30 to 50,000. They haven't narrowed it down yet, but somewhere in that neighborhood, you're going to be supporting that effort, and we're going to have a great time together in Peru, all right? If you can't go, maybe you can help somebody go financially. That would be awesome. Uh, on your giving, on your phone, on your uh, web page, you can go to Peru Crusade. You can contribute to that, and we're going we're gonna to put all this together, and God's going to do some great stuff. Let me just bless you as you go out. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the countenance of the Father reflect himself through you to everyone you encounter. May you be that kingdom people who love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow.